The following program is sponsored by Lindis Construction. This is the WCCO Home Improvement Show, brought to you by Lindis Construction. One call, one contractor. Lindis Construction provides Minnesota and Wisconsin with the best products and workmanship. They provide leaf guard gutters, asphalt roofing, metal roofing, season guard replacement windows, exterior siding, remodeling, new construction, and more. If you've got questions, they've got answers this hour. Here's Denny Law. And Andy Lindis. Andy is taking the day off today, but our friend Lou Panic, the porch and deck specialist with uh, Lindis Construction, he does so much more than that, too. Luke, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? A little thawed out now, I hope? Yeah, everything's, this heat wave is something else, huh? <laughs> but I, seriously, uh, you, you think of, and I've read a lot of reports of frostbite, et cetera, uh, but the crews, uh, Lindis Construction, they had to, I hope, back off a little bit, given, you know, 30 below air temp, things like that, or almost. So we're Yeah, g- they, everybody <laughs> took a little time off. Yeah. You know, the salesman never gets time off. No, of course not. No matter what. That's right. <laughs> As my old boss said, you asked for work when you came here. That's um, right. I never did like hearing that, but that's uh, something else again. <laughs> if you have a uh, deck, especially today, uh, since Luke is with us, if you have any kind of a deck question, and people, as, as I'm sure a lot of folks thought, I can't wait till summer, I can use my deck, or maybe they haven't got a deck, or maybe they need it finished, or maybe replaced, all of the above in, in your cases, because you see uh, all of that. Uh, how, how does the process work if somebody is interested? Not that they're going to get it done here in a couple months. But when someone needs a deck either replaced or built, what's the pro- tell us uh, the process at Linda's Construction. What do you do? Well, you, they'd call into our office, and, and they'd assign uh, myself or one of our other deck experts uh, to, to come out and basically analyze what they got. And every situation is so different that it requires us to come out and look at it. And a lot of times we're remodeling a deck or removing a deck or, you know, that's more common than actually putting on a deck that's not there yet. So we got to kind of take a look at what's there, look at the footings, talk about do we want to change the design or keep it the same. And then uh, we go over materials, look at all the different options for the, whether they want a synthetic deck or possibly a wood deck, and then we figure out uh, how to help them. Um, in fact, uh, Luke, why don't we, speaking of help, if you have a question, home improvement type, uh, for us, call it in or text it in. Uh, the phone number, and we've cleared the line, 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, send uh, us a text, 81807. A text did uh, come in just a bit ago, Luke, uh, kind of related for sure. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do we like to put a little 12 by 12 patio deck outside our walkout? Uh, two questions. One, do we need a building permit if we uh, do not attach to the house? And shall we just put it on concrete disc or actually pour concrete tubes four feet or lower? Uh, so I guess they're talking about footings. There. Yeah. Uh, do you? First of all, what do you think? Is it? It's. I've read it's always a good idea to get a permit. Well, it it, it can be depending um, on the job. Of if course. it's yeah, if it's not attached to the house, many times you don't need a permit. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons is that. What affects permitting is if it's going to be frost protected, because it's connected to your house, it would have to be frost protected, meaning that it can't lift up and down with the freeze and thaw of the soil. Then that that system of how it's going to be frost protected needs to be inspected by the city. 
So if it's not, if it's not going to be attached to the house, it may not have to have frost protection, which means that it may not require a permit. When you build, what's different about like maybe a shed or a detached building where it's going to not allow the rainwater to go through it, then you're worried about erosion and uh, soil control. So then those, those type of things do require a permit. And then the other issue that comes into you is how close you build something to a property line if you don't meet the setback or something. Every city is a little bit different, so you have to check. But sometimes you don't need a permit for a project like this. It's going to be next to the house, but it's not going to be attached to the house. Forget this past week, Luke, as far as uh, installing footings of any sort. But uh, yep. normally, given the weather conditions, uh, what, what do you guys at Lindas use? I mean, is it the, the old-style footings or the newer, quote, newer diamond pier type? We use one of three types of footings. Uh, most of the time we're using a diamond pier because it fits the application. Sometimes we use a cylindrical pier, a pier with uh, you know a concrete tube and a four-foot or 60-inch hole in the ground. And then sometimes we use what's called a helical pier, which is an earth screw that screws into the earth. So those are the three choices that we have. We use them all. I'd say 90% of the time we're using a diamond pier. About that that often? Yeah. Wow. Quite a bit. Hey, for those that, we've talked about that in, in shows past, but for those that maybe are not familiar with it, what can you draw us a picture of what, what how does that diamond pier, what does it look like? Well, I think the last time I described it best, it was a, like a camera. On a tripod, okay. and instead of the camera, it'd be a concrete diamond there about the size of a basketball. And uh, and then that whole thing gets sunk into the earth um, where the basketball is about halfway in the ground and half the basketball is sticking out of the ground, and those legs of the tripod are ink, you know, jackhammered into the ground, which gives it a foothold but also resistance to moving in the frost. If you have any kind of a deck or porch question, for that matter, uh, of Luke, uh, call it in or text it in. This is your day because Luke is uh, is filling in for Andy today. Um, texter says this, by the way, text number 81807. How do you install, a text says, a Trex decking over lightweight concrete surface? Space below is finished. Lightweight concrete surface. guess i'm trying to understand is this do you think it's on a slab or do you think it's on a ceiling over something yeah that's it's not detailed the text is not, not detailed. detailed is not enough to so you can't out. so let's assume that it's they have a concrete surface and they want to have a trek surface so you need something to fasten the the treks to so we install what's called a sleeper system you can either anchor them to directly to the concrete or they can just lay there and you fasten the the decking basically to that, like two by fours laying flat or, or something like that. They're, that's called a floating system. We do the same thing if we're going to install it over like a rubber roof. Say people have a back porch that has a flat rubber roof on it that you can walk out to your upstairs. Those are common in, you know, St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, that situation is the same thing. We put down floating framing that's treated wood that lays flat on that rubber, and then we fasten the decking with shorter screws to that floating uh, two-by-fours, so you don't put any perforations in that rubber, but it holds the decking down. Oftentimes, we do it in a panelized system so you can actually lift them up and out of, out of place, like a almost like a dock section. Hmm. Yeah, so we, both applications are similar install, but it's just important that the decking has to have joists under it. Basically, whether they're a two-by-ten or a two-by-two, 
that you fasten it to and that are spaced, you know, we typically space them 12 inches apart. You can go up to 16. A text, by the way, text number 81807, or you can call Luke for that matter. I don't think I gave the phone number, 651-989-9226, if you have a home improvement question, especially if it relates to decking or uh, porches. Uh, let's see. Uh, again, 81807 for the text. We have a bunch of those. Evidently, somebody's garage floor is crumbling apart. It does not say the ex- how extensive that damage is, but they want to know what can I do. Well, I don't know. What would you do if your garage floor was all crumbling apart? Uh, jackhammer, maybe? Yeah. Start it depends, over? Uh, it depends on how bad it is, yeah. whether they can do a resurface. Like, didn't you do, did you do that? Oh, years ago, yes. Uh, yeah, my, my great garage floor came in, and they, they okay. sanded. They, well, they don't sand it. They grind, grind it. it. They grind it down yeah. and then uh, prepare it and do that. The preparing there is the big key, isn't it? It is. the, really is, yeah. And then, so I, I guess it depends on how bad the concrete is. If it's really broken up, then that's probably not going to work. If it's just hairline cracks and, and spalling on the surface, then uh, a resurface like you had done is probably the way to go. Yeah, they can do that if it's minor spalling or something. But if, if the whole thing is crumbling, forget it. You're going to have to, it, yeah, in my opinion, you have to start over. You know? Well, it's interesting, concrete, because a lot of times, you know, like this first question was about this 12 by 12 deck on the yeah. walkout. A lot of times people have this idea of building a deck right on top of the ground. Where or real close to the ground. Say yeah. you you have a patio door at the back of your house, and it's only ten inches down to the ground. It's really not the best place to build a deck. And the reason that that is is because the, the, typically the deck is going to have about a twelve inch thickness by the time you have joists and decking on top of it. And you want to have airflow underneath the deck so that it doesn't get musty and moldy underneath there. So you want to have a some space below the joists for airflow. So a lot of times. Rather than building a deck, a, a really a patio of pavers or cement is is a better application when it's that close to the ground. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Luke uh, Panic is with us. If you have, uh, especially if you have any kind of a deck, uh, decking or porch, your question for Luke uh, today's your day. Otherwise, here's your general health uh, health question. No, he he's not a doctor. <laughs> he doesn't play one on the radio either. But uh, your uh, home improvement <laughs> questions. Uh, here on CCO. Stand by. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with Luke and your questions via phone and text coming up. And good morning. Welcome back to our home improvement show presented by our friends at Linda's Construction. And he's taking the day off today. Filling in is our friend Luke Panic, the deck and porch specialist, among other things, at Linda's Construction. So if you have a, a home improvement type of question, especially as it relates to decking, decks, or porches for that matter, uh, why don't you give uh, Luke a call, 651-989-9226, or easier, send a text, 81807. And Luke, as usual, we have a bunch of those, too. Let's see if we can't pick out a few here. Uh, cold weather, 30 below or so, may have damaged, Texter says, my double-wide sliding glass door. Uh, first of all, is this common? Uh, do I contact my builder from last year or maybe the supplier uh, that ordered the door, uh, or maybe go straight to Marvin customer service. What would you do in that case? Uh, what do you, what would you, uh, tell that listener? I would start with Marvin. They have a customer service, uh, portal that they can submit a warranty claim to that warranties for products always start with the manufacturer. So they'll always direct the homeowner cause they want to know who, who actually bought the door. And then, Typically, it gets inspected by 
Marvin, a rep for Marvin, or or the installer, or a certified installer, to figure out if it failed because of manufacturing defect or if it was installed incorrectly. And Marvin, awesome. of course, is really good about customer service. They really are. Yeah, they're the best. They're yeah. absolutely fantastic. So straight to Marvin is the answer in that case. Uh, if you want to, uh, again, uh, the text number 81807, a call of call 651-989-9226. Uh, here's another text. Oh, we had a bunch of them. Uh, the corner of my interior wall has a visible line showing from the corner metal strip on the sheetrock. Is that an easy fix? The corner of my interior wall has a visible line showing. Yeah, so that that is that that corner piece you put on before yeah, you. What that's called is a corner bead. A bead, corner bead. Typically on the outside corner um, is where you're going to have a corner bead. On the inside corner, you use tape. Uh, but on the outside, you put a metal corner, and then you fill the little ridge in between there with taping mud. And oftentimes, um, through shrink moisture and uh, especially now when it dries out so much in the winter, you can get a crack where the edge of that corner bead is about an inch, inch and a half maybe away from the corner. Um, and what what causes that oftentimes is that the, the corner bead wasn't installed correctly. Oftentimes now they use an actual tape corner bead and it's not a metal corner. But that little metal ridge can sometimes crack because it wasn't taped over the edge or the, the right taping mud wasn't used or it wasn't mm. thick enough. Or it just moved a lot and had a dramatic uh, moisture change. So it's not a difficult repair. But How would you do um, that? How would you fix it? Well, it would depend on how big of a crack it is. If it's just a hairline crack, you might just skim coat it with some mud and then repaint, you know, sand and repaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's loose, like you're pushing on it and it like you can feel there's a little bit of air gap between that, then it likely needs to be pulled out. A new a new corner be put on and, and, new, and you know, new mud and, you know, that will be quite a little step-by-step process, but uh, it depends on how bad that crack is yeah. and how loose it is. And we can't see it, so we can't. No. Yeah. Uh, text, by the way, text number 81807, that seems to be the method here. Uh, what composite materials, we're talking decking now, okay. do you recommend? Top three to five. Top there. three to five. Yeah. Well, our two, the two most that I recommend are either Azec or Zuri is our most popular two products because they're truly not a composite. They're actually completely cellular PVC. They don't have any sawdust or wood flour in them at all, and I think that those perform the best. Once you get down from those two brands and you're looking at uh, true composites that are now capped, so the, a composite is really mold-producing if it isn't capped with a polyethylene cover. So any capped composite would be my third uh, recommendation, either by Trex or TimberTech. Now, when, you, when you're building a deck and using these various materials, is the substructure a different, I mean, is it 12 inches on center, 16? You mentioned that earlier. What, yeah. what, what do you do? Does it depend on that, uh, the, the material? Well, all of these are designed on the main body of a deck. You can typically install all of these deck boards perpendicularly to the joists if the joists are at 16-inch centers. You can, Which okay. means there's a 14-inch, 14-and-a-half-inch gap between the joists. If you turn the decking diagonally, sometimes you see them installed at a diagonal, then the joists have to be at 12-inch center. So if, you're, if your existing deck has 16-inch centers, you have no choice but to run them perpendicular across the joists. If you want to run them at a diagonal, they've got to be closer because they're spanning further. We, we like to install joists at 12-inch centers regardless so that you nice can turn and stable. the deck 
nice and stable. You only, you know, on a 16-foot deck, you're only adding one or two joists, so you're not adding much cost. The joists are inexpensive, and you really... Otherwise, when you walk on a synthetic deck board over 16-inch spacing, you can feel just a little bit of flex to it, mm-hmm. depending on the brand that makes it feel, you know, uncomfortable. So I like to closen those joists up a little bit, and it feels rock solid. On the stairway, different story. You have to space them at 12-inch centers. The stair stringers, typically 2x12s, they have to be at 12-inch centers and possibly 9-inch centers. So they, the, when you walk down a staircase, you put a lot more impact, you know, inertia, I guess, as you're going down. And so you they require the, the stringers to be a little bit closer together depending on the manufacturer. They may even have to be, like I said, 8 or 9 inches apart. Mm, interesting. Uh, Luke, hang on. We're going to take our usual bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll have a look at that forecast. If you have a home improvement question, especially, doesn't have to be, but especially if it's about decks or decking or porches, uh, call Luke or send a text. And we'll uh, continue on with our home improvement show brought to us by Linda's Construction every week. And good morning. Welcome back to our Home Improvement Show presented every week by our friends at Linda's Construction. I don't think I spelled it yet. L-I-N-D-U-S. Get in touch with those good folks. 1-800-LEAFGUARD is the easiest number to remember. And he's taking the day off today. Our friend Luke Panic is back with us. He is the deck and port specialist. So if you have a specific question about decking or porches, he's the guy you want to chat with either by phone, 651-989-9226, or send Luke a text at 81807. Got a bunch of those text messages, Luke. Let's see if we can't uh, field a few here uh, before we let you go. Uh, here's one. We have a tiled shower. One corner seam appears to be a darker or different grout. Over the past two years, that corner grout seam is cracking or deteriorating. Um, the rest of it looks perfect, except for that one section. Uh, perhaps previous owner used bad grout, do you think? Uh, what is the best way to fix that bad or failing grout seam in the shower? What would you do? Well, I would call my tile guy. <laughs> um, that's a tough job, but you, you got to get the old grout out and re-grout, and then it's tough to get the new grout to match with the old grout. Um, I suspect that it's just changed color more so in one area than the other I, that's pretty common i mean and that's certainly true in my boy's bathroom has grout lines that are different colored because um, they're white and so white shows you know that discoloration i, I you know it has to you have to get out the, there's no you can try bleaching it or cleaning it but oh, yeah. typically i think you got to grind it out and re-grout which is i think a pretty tough job and a little messy, too, but certainly it, tough. You don't want to crack the rest of the tiles around there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's a that's a, that's a a really tough one to do yourself, I think. Yeah, you okay. might want to call an expert. Very good. Uh, text number again, 81807. Here's a text, another one, Luke. Uh, we had new Pella windows installed this past year, uh, some replacements and other full hole windows. Uh, with the cold this past week, we had ice form on the... Uh, Where's it going? Inside corners. Sure. Not a, not a lot of ice, but definitely yeah. there. Our home does not have too much humidity. Could this be yeah. normal because of how cold it actually got? I would say probably yes. I'd say it's really normal. I mean, I did the same thing when it got so cold and, you know, you're bored out of your mind walking around the house. Oh, I'll look at my own windows. Yeah. And so I started paying attention to that. I had... I have the Season Guard triple pane windows. I didn't have a bead of condensation or frost on any one of my windows except where I had 
I have a couple of windows that only were available in double pane. Where the double pane was, I had frost on the bottom inch. The triple pane windows, there wasn't a tick of frost anywhere, which made me feel good about the fact that I had triple pane windows everywhere. Makes a big but I, difference. I suspect that even the best windows in the world are going to have some, if there's any condensation or any humidity in the house at all, it's going to find the coolest surface to condensate on. And the temperature of that glass in 30 below has, has dropped to a point below 32 degrees, so it really attracts that moisture and then froze on, on a lot of really good windows because of how cold it was. So I bet you're right. I wouldn't be too worried about it. If you have a wood sash, however, you want to get that moisture wiped off and get it dry so that it doesn't discolor that varnish or start to flake that off because that's that's the maintenance that comes along with a wood window. you got to pay attention to that and get that moisture off there as quick as possible and get it dry. This uh, text, Luke, I think refers to that earlier uh, a patio door, one, the sliding door. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow-up. It says, Texter says, I feel it may be damaged due to severe ice buildup inside and clearly now has airflow leaks. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, again, your answer is the same. Contact the, contact same. the manufacturer. You've got to start with the same process. The, the the issue is, you know, when you think about a patio door is continuing our frost conversation, the patio door is even lower, closer to the floor or the, or the, or the cold air sinks, and you're you're going to experience the most frost on a patio door compared to any other window or door because it's lower in the room. So that convection loop that happens in your house with cold air sinks and, and hot air rises, that's where the coldest surface is going to be, and oftentimes patio doors show that the most. So to keep that, thaw that out, get that ice off there, it's really important, or it can be damaging to doors and windows for sure. A text number, uh, again, if you uh, would want to send uh, Luke your text, 81807. Again, we have a bunch of those. Uh, let's see. Good morning, Texter says, we are thinking about replacing our old typical... Hmm. I think I think it's wooden wouldn't spend. They probably need wooden uh old railing on our deck with a new modern looking railing that has uh what I believe are metal cables. What well, would you please have Luke comment on his experience of that type of railing system as well as the cost. Okay, you know what the texture is talking about. So it, they want to replace the old wood railing with it sounds metal like cables, with, or they with have a, metal cables. Uh, no, they want to replace an old wooden one. Okay. So metal cables are popular when you want to have view. You want to be able to see through the railing. And I'm fine with them. They are expensive. It has to be a stainless steel cable. Typically it's coated with a PVC coating, a clear coating. The down, the downside to them, if, if you're high up off the ground and they're horizontal cables... You can imagine it looks like a wire ladder. So I discourage them if there's going to be kids anywhere near this oh, deck yeah. and it's up off the ground because you can climb them. They're legal. There's no there's no code violation. But it's obvious it's just like a ladder. So I try to deter people from them. They do make, uh, now they make a company, one of the companies called Fortress makes a, a vertical cable rail system so the the vertical the railing the, the the cables are going vertically so that you can't climb them so i like i prefer that if you want to go with a cable rail system uh but they that they can be installed you can have a wood post you can have a metal post uh, you, you can install them a number of different ways uh and they do provide a fantastic view to whatever you're, you're trying to see so luke panic filling in for andy lindas today if you have a home improvement type of question call us or text us 651 651- 
989-9226. Text again is 81807. Here's another one, Luke. Uh, the texter says, had colored stamped concrete patio put in last spring. I started noticing little pop-ups, uh, like from seed light, like expanding from sand possibly. You know what these this, this texter's talking about? They want to know how they can fix a stamped concrete patio that uh, that's starting to have a little pop-outs. Sounds like spalling, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Pretty tough to fix. Um, you can patch it, but it never looks the same. No. There's no repairing that to perfection. Patch is a patch. Um, typically, that's salt. If you put use a lot of salt there, that's really adds to the wear and tear on cement if it wasn't sealed well. Sometimes people don't reseal their concrete over time and they use salt. It, it, that's typically what causes this. It can, you know, some concrete spalls because when it was installed, the, the, the mason might, might have got rushed. Um, and if, you know, if it's set up too quick and they, they try to add a little water to finish it, that can be a problem and cause spalling. It's a number of things can cause it, but it is not something that's repairable to perfection. It's going to be a patch job like anything else. And it is what it is. Uh, Another listener, a couple of listeners actually, uh, missed the type of, uh, uh, synthetic decking that you had mentioned. You mentioned three different types, I believe. Zuri was one of them. Zuri is one of them, less common. People haven't heard of that. It's a newer technology, Z-U-R-I. You can go to their website and look at it. That's the one I want. want That's the one you want? That's the one I want, Luke. We'll be talking because someday I want Zuri. That's really good stuff. You brought it in a few years ago to show us some samples. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's strikingly natural looking. I mean, it really is. It's got wood grain. than anything else. Um, Azek, A-Z-E-K, a lot of people ask me in their homes for Aztec. It's not Aztec, the, the old Native American. It is uh, Azek, A-Z-E-K, is another cellular PVC product that's completely cellular PVC. That's a great product. Um, and the only difference, you know, it doesn't look quite as, if you really want a natural wood look, the, the Zuri is really the way to go. The difference between the two, even though they're both cellular PVC, is that the Zuri has a um, an acrylic surface on it that makes it very, very resistant to scratching and makes it very durable. The Azek, on the other hand, is a little more grippy. It has a little bit nicer to walk on. It grabs your feet a little bit better, so it depends on kind of what you're looking for. Both of them are fantastically durable, good products. And then, like I said, the third one, third and beyond, is would be a captor-coated composites made by Trex or TimberTech. Okay. Very good. Uh, let's go to the phones. Let's see. Wayne is calling from Brainerd, I believe. Uh, Wayne, go ahead. Luke is listening. Yeah, Luke, I thought I heard that there is a product made that can go directly over the existing deck boards, similar to a laminate, that thickness, and using the same spacing, whatever it is. Um, am I mistaken on this? You, I don't know if there's uh, one that's designed just for doing that, a thinner product. I, you can install synthetic decking right on top of a, a wood deck without removing the deck boards. But the, typically the problem is is that you don't have the space underneath the door that you're going out to, so there'd be a lip. Um, there is no, there's nothing wrong with installing it, as far as I know, uh, over the top of wood decking. 
the problem, you know, are you asking about installing over a wood deck or are you talking about over concrete? No, this is a wood deck. And then the stuff you're referring to, would that have the same, uh, uh, what do you call them, spacing between each board yes. and everything like that? Yeah. You still have uh, about a 5 sixteenths uh, space between all of these deck boards. The, there are some systems early on that came out that you installed tight, and they've, they've been pretty problematic. They creak and crack and they mold and mildew, and that, that has not been a good solution. You need to have that water drainage plane in between each deck board. Hmm. And then how is it applied? Some adhesive? Nails? What would, what, have you ever no, seen? No, you fasten it down just like you would over you would. a joist. You okay. use the same fasteners and just screw it to the deck boards. I got you. All right. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate the call. That leaves the line open, 651-989-9226. Uh, we're going to get back to the text screen as well. That number, 81807. Luke Paddock filling in for Andy Lindis today on the Home Improvement Show, answering your questions, especially if you have any about uh, decks, decking, porches, things like that. 651-989-9226 or send uh, Luke a text, 81807. There's a comment, I believe, uh, Luke, from uh, Steve in uh, St. Paul. What is your comment, Steve? Well, I have I installed Trex decking last summer, and there's a finish on it that makes it very slippery. Hmm. And like on a morning like today where there's just a little bit of mist and dew, it's, it's almost unusable. So if I were to take a, a power sander and break that finish and, and rough it up a little bit, or do I apply something? How do I get rid of that slick surface? What do you think, uh, Luke? That. Oh, that the I'm reason sorry. that that we, we coating is yeah. on there is to prevent that the the sawdust that's mixed in with tracks making it a composite. It's capping that so that it's not exposed to moisture and whatnot because that that tracks will grow mold. You know the the wood flower can get moldy, so I, I know it's slippery, but I would not sand that. I would not take that finish off because that's protecting everything. So it is a tough one. But even if you think about it, even cedar, when it's wet, feels slippery. That's true. Uh, not quite as slip as, you know, maybe as, as some of these uh, synthetics. But, you know, I, I would encourage you to put down, if a high traffic area, maybe a, a temporary, a, a long rug or something um, to, to deal with that temporarily. You don't want to leave a rug on synthetics for a long time. But, um it, I would not, definitely would not sand that or rough that up. That that would be a regrettable act. Okay. Good point. Uh, thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. Uh, the texter says uh, he or she wants to replace several deck boards that measure, let's see if I can read this, one and a sixteenth by five and three-eighths. I am unable to find replacements with these dimensions. What do you think? Well, I, I don't know if she's talking about a synthetic board. Um. Or a wood board. Yeah. When something measures an inch and a sixteenth, um, that suggests that it was um, a one-inch board that swelled just a little bit. And, and in wood, um, if it's a wood board, they vary a little bit. You can measure every board, and they'll vary by a sixteenth because they expand and contract differently. They've all run through the same mill, but they all had different, slightly different moisture contents, and, and they vary a little bit. So it's not likely she's going to find a board that's exactly that dimension. Hmm. You can, however, take a wood board, and if it's a little bit wide, you know, trim, you know, run it through a table, spot, a table saw and, and trim it down. 
you can also install a board that's a little wide and it's likely going to shrink to the width of the, the the one that's there because the one that has when these boards are narrower and thicker and wider a lot of them just haven't dried out the same yet so there is no perfect science to this uh to the to the deck boards only the only the synthetic boards measure all exactly the same width and height so tough to answer that without knowing what it is but it's very common for wood boards to vary in size a little bit. Okay. Another text says, how do uh, most municipalities treat square footage under a deck or patio with regard to non-permeable surface area? My, my city limits max non-permeable to 45% of the total lot square footage. Well, that that's going back to our earlier discussion about permitting. That's what we're talking yeah. about with with uh, ero- it's erosion control. So that they don't want you to put pavement over your whole grass base because it won't. It just sheds all the water then and causes erosion problems. So th- many cities have a percentage like that, you know, and you have to take into consideration the size of your lot and then how much roof surface you have because your roof obviously sheds the water to g- a gutter system, hopefully, and drainage. So non-permeable surface would be you know concrete um maybe pavers i don't know if they consider pavers permeable if water you know is considered to shed off of those or if it goes through i'm not positive on pavers but certainly concrete sheds it um natural rock and what obviously doesn't so it, it, it that would be governed by the municipality and the percentages probably vary from municipality to municipality too based on how the lot size uh, you know the lot sizes of the area Okay. I think we have time, uh, Luke, for one more call. Brent is calling from Roseville. Uh, Brent, what's your question for Luke? Uh, good morning. I know with this unusual cold weather, there's probably a lot of strange things happening, but uh, the windows, uh, the double-hung windows, I've had freezing ice on the inside of them. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a wood frame window. It's only yeah. about 15, 12, 15 years old. I mean, is that unusual? Is that just a bad window? or? No, and, and it's not necessarily a bad window. It's It's just being cold and and um any humidity in your house that that hits a surface that's not 33 degrees or higher it's going to condensate and freeze so it tells you the surface temperature of your window really good windows won't get that even in cold days like i talked about with mine they won't get that cold so they won't freeze any humidity but i it doesn't mean that you got a bad window it means it's not the most energy efficient window you can get, but it, 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 it you just got to understand these extreme temperatures. You, you're going to see that. You're going to see that on a lot of your normal windows that would, that meet energy star are, doesn't mean that, that this isn't going to happen to you. So I, I don't think you need to overreact. If you want that to go away, yeah, you can improve the window and that won't happen. I mean, we, you know, temperatures like this is when we like to look in people's attics because we're finding a lot of frosty attics up there that people don't realize the amount of humidity getting into their attics. And and what happens is that condensation forms on the plywood because all of a sudden that plywood in the attic is so cold that, that that condensation freezes to the rafters, to the plywood. And then when it warms up like today, uh, the sun gets on that plywood, warms it up, and now that, now that what was frost now turns to water and drips back down in your insulation. So it's a great time to see if you want to know how well your attic's working. It's a great day like today to take a peek up there and see what after this cold weather what's happening because we're finding a lot of moldy attics up there now wow. that are wet because of these extreme conditions. So it's it's really a good time, an important time to pay attention to your attic because it's you know you got to have these cold temperatures to really test 
how well your your house is performing, how well the envelope is performing, and how well your attic is ventilating. Because y- y- we just don't see these kind of temperatures all the time. No, so it's a great opportunity goodness. to test it. Ten-second answer, Luke. Is it important to remove the snow from your deck? Yeah, I think it's good. It's not a must, but uh, depending on the deck, it, it, it's it's helpful uh, to get that moisture away from your house, yeah. and it's it's good to your your load of your deck not to have to carry it. We haven't had a lot of snow, but no. it's good it's good to get it off there. All right, good. Well, we appreciate the help, and uh, stay warm, as everybody's been saying, and Luke, we'll talk to you down the road. Okay, thanks, Denny. Have a great day.